are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I know uh, got to the Western Conference Finals uh, last year, so I mean, anything less than that uh, would be upsetting. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And today I have three incredible guests, one of them the co-host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast to talk to me about Luka Doncic, like we don't talk about that already enough five days a week. Also have Mike Richmond of the Locked On Blazers podcast join a little bit later to talk about Dame and the Clutch Blazers. But right now we have to talk to... The great Matt Moore, HP Basketball on Twitter, about the Denver Nuggets. Uh, we'll talk to him in just a second about that. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Tell them that Locked On sent you. Brought to you today by rockauto.com. Matt Moore, welcome in. I really thought your Denver Nuggets were going to drop that game to the Magic last night. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be my Denver Nuggets. I just covered the team. But I think that it's, <laughs> it's unsurprising that they wound up like this is a very old school performance in the first half. Denver has always been a team that screws around with under 500 teams at home. Like they lost to the Hawks last year when Trey Young dropped 50 on them. They lost the Cavaliers at home last year. They lost the Kings three times this season. Like they are notorious for that. Honestly, the fact that it did not take them until the fourth quarter to climb out of it is probably a sign that the new starting unit is so good you're not going to be able to bury them for very long. They're going to get back in the game sooner than later, even if they have an off night. We'll get into the nuggets, but this magic team is like the trap team of all trap teams now, right? They just, all their talent is gone. Aaron Gordon. We'll talk about him. Vooch is gone. You know, Evan Fournier. Uh, they almost beat the Lakers in that one game. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Pelicans in overtime. Uh, the jazz destroyed them, but then they had that huge lead against the Denver nuggets in this game. Incredible trap team. Uh, let's get into Aaron Gordon. So, how has his fit been so far? It seems like everybody's really high on it. They're undefeated since they got Aaron Gordon. Uh, it's funny to hear people like Reggie Miller say, I didn't know Aaron Gordon could play defense, you know, things like that. But how has the fit been of Aaron Gordon so far with the Denver Nuggets? Well, let's, let's just go ahead and put it this way. Um, they're 4-0 in the games in which Gordon has been with the team. Positive. Tonight was the first time in which the Nuggets starters did not register a individual net game uh, game net rating of over 30 plus 30. <laughs> they only outscored the Magic tonight by 24.5 points per under possessions tonight. <laughs> For the season, they are plus 33.9. But those are just numbers. Uh, they've just destroyed teams. Like they are just absolutely vanquishing everything. Giving Jokic another cutter, a guy that can hit threes, a guy that, you know, inconsistently, but saw him hit one tonight, um, a guy that cuts really effortlessly to the rim, has such athleticism, is so fast, has good hands. On top of defensively, what they're able to do is they used to only be able to run one scheme, which is in pick and roll. They would run two guys at the level of the screen and try and get the ball out of the primary ball handler's hands. Um, and they still do that with Jokic because it makes – it takes advantage of his biggest defensive skill, which is his hands, everything else they're switching. And it's really causing mayhem for opponents when they're running into this team that they have for so many years played drop against or are used to the scheme. And now all of a sudden they're just switching everything and being like, all right, let's go. Michael Porter jr. Long and athletic gets lost on multiple rotations, but still a very good on ball defender. Jamal Murray fights through screens and he's really good post like in defense on post-ups versus bigs. And Gordon is switching on primary ball handlers constantly. So the versatility defensively, the versatility offensively, Michael Porter Jr. with another 20 point game, 
the team's just firing on all cylinders. Like there's absolutely, I am always the one that's like, well, but this thing is a problem. And I, I got nothing. <laughs> the nuggets are just absolutely steamrolling everyone right now. when the starters are in. Is it the depth? It seems like the depth. I listen to you guys in Locked On Nuggets talk about the depth of this team and, you know, Composito playing minutes and that Nuggets fans are done with it. Seems like at this point it was fun at one point, but now they have to get serious. And, you know, is it the depth? Is that what's what is what's going to get this team at some point? Only if there's injury, right? Which is probable. Like the NBA playoffs in many ways are a war of attrition. But if the core four, Gordon Jokic, Murray, and MPJ stay healthy, you know, I don't think so because those guys are just going to play 35 to 42 minutes. Um, the, the the depth is not great. I think PJ Dozier is inconsistent. He's a really good defender and passer, uh, but not a great spot up shooter. Compazzo has brings almost nothing on ball in terms of scoring. Brilliant flash passer, but not really bringing anything else other than being a pest. And even then he can be ignored defensively. But, you know, Monte Morris, I think is going to give them good minutes. They have the starters. Monte Morris, Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap if necessary, PJ Dozier if necessary. They have a couple of options on the bench and they're only going to get to an eight or nine man rotation. So in the regular season, yeah, I think the weak spot is absolutely the the bench, the depth. But uh, in the playoffs, they've got the the eight man rotation that they need. It sounds like most of those teams in the West though, right? Like the Mavericks are kind of the same way where they have like this top seven and then the eighth through ninth is just a wash at any given point. Blazers are kind of like that too, where you're like, well, how far do we get in the bench before we bring in Ennis Cantor? You know, that kind of stuff. So it's that kind of, you know, the Clippers don't have that much depth either. And they're, they're hurt all the time. So it's really interesting um, that all those teams seem to be like that. The talent's just spread so far out uh, across the league right now. Uh, that So the Aaron Gordon lineup is just absolutely d- destroying people. The fit with Michael Porter Jr. was kind of a thing people were, were bringing up before the trade and even when it first happened. Well, how are these guys going to play together? And the three and four as a position in the NBA is kind of the – like depending on which team you're you're following or which team that you're, you're looking at, they kind of do similar things. And so I don't know if it matters too much to have similar guys in those spots, especially for Denver. But how has that fit been so far? Has Aaron Gordon been able to cover some of Michael Porter Jr.'s defensive deficiencies? You know, how does, how are those two working so far as a, you know, a wing duo? It's working really well. Surprisingly. I I think part of the key with Porter, they learned this with Jeremy Grant was that they needed a defensive three. So Porter could play power forward defense, but a guy who could also, play offensive four and they've kind of gotten that with Gordon where you want a rebounder, but not like Grant was actually a pretty poor rebounder. Gordon's an upgrade in that regard. Uh, Gordon's an upgrade on Grant in terms of on ball defense with how much effort he's given here, which is higher than it was in Orlando. There's no question about that. (laughs) He's just like, like a lot of guys like, Oh, you go into a winning team and suddenly it's like, Oh, I never knew he could do this. (laughs) Blake Griffin could play again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A lot of that. Um, but the combo with Porter is really good. Porter's game is mostly on the perimeter. He will cut sometimes, but Gordon provides a lot of pressure at the rim and Porter provides a lot of pressure on the outside and his ability to hit from the, from on spot up shots, his efficiency is just out of this world. I mean, you know, again, tonight, 20 points on seven of 11 shooting last game was 27 on 11 of 16. Like Nick, I'll I'll go back on this. The last time that that Porter shot under 50%, was March 2nd versus the versus the Milwaukee Bucks. It's been over a month since Porter has shot below 50% from the field. And in most of those games, in all of those games, he scored at least 15. And in the vast majority of them, he scored 20. Um, they have a lot of firepower right now. 
Yeah, but they should have thrown him in a Bradley Beal trade, right? They should. Sure. Have, they should have gone all in for that and done that. Uh, why would Nikola Jokic not win MVP at this point? So I study the MVP more than any other topic. It's my it's my favorite topic. I just decided a couple of years ago to throw myself into it. Um, I've studied the history. I've done a lot of it. The biggest reason is this: you have a huge voter block that's based out of Los Angeles, and the Lakers are a cottage industry. So anytime that they are good, they're going to get preferential treatment. LeBron's a cottage industry. And anytime that he's in the conversation, he's going to get preferential treatment. And I don't disagree with that. Like, it's not like I'm sitting here saying like LeBron does not deserve the MVP. It's always, these guys are, I always try to frame it this way. Every, all the guys that are mentioned in these conversations deserve MVP. It's about who's most deserving of MVP. Mm. The problem for Jokic is that he's going to lose any sort of tiebreaker. If, if, if somebody thinks like, well, I think that Jokic and LeBron are about even if LeBron comes back and plays the last month of the season, the, a lot of voters will say, well, I think they're about even. And LeBron will get the tiebreaker. Um, a large section will say like, well, I think Jokic and Embiid are about even, but I think Embiid's been a little bit better. Embiid will get the tiebreaker in part because Embiid's really good with the media. I think most of the analysts vote, Guys like Zach Lowe, uh, the guys that really dig in and do the the stats work, the guys that really do the film work, I think most of those guys are going to wind up going for Jokic. I think your big broadcast personalities are going to draw be drawn more towards LeBron or Embiid for the narrative, possibly Dame Lillard. If the Blazers like if the if the Blazers wound up over the Nuggets in the three seed, then Dame probably wins just based off of the clutch status and the fact that that team's not very good. Just him. <laughs> it's just Dame. Um, so I think really what it comes down to is like, I, I think this is tough for me as somebody that covers the team, right? It's like, of course you think that Jokic should win. I resisted it for a long time. I don't really have another conclusion. He's played all the games. He leads in every advanced metric. The team's a lottery squad without him. Any sort of description, the, the eye test checks out. He dishes amazing passes and makes incredible buckets every single night. He's shooting great. Like, there's no knock that I, you can find on Nikola Jokic. And if you want to say, like, well, yeah, but the defense, okay, he's not as good a defender as LeBron. He's not a good, as good a defender as Joel Embiid. However, the Nuggets with him on the floor are fine defensively now that they have Aaron Gordon. And he's actually really disruptive. He's one of the better players on the team in terms of deflections and steals. And if you watch, like a lot of it is because they play him at that level of the screen and he's disruptive with his hands. Jokic is not a great one-on-one defender, much like most centers are not great one-on-one defenders. You're not going to find Joel Embiid on an island versus Damian Lillard. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> and Damian Lillard's not a great defender either. I think it's a fair assessment versus him versus Embiid. I think Embiid getting back, but him not playing back-to-backs, I think is going to hurt him. This is going to be really close. I think this is going to be one of the most, uh, in terms of the first-place votes, we're going to get a lot of diversity of first-place votes. The biggest reason I think Jokic will win is he may wind up winning so many second- and third-place votes, his point total goes over. Mm. This is going to be a tough argument, I think, all the way to the finish line. Yeah, uh, Jokic definitely went to the Dirk Nowitzki school of just being okay enough on defense to make it worth your yep. while for the rest of the team, for sure. Yep. Uh, if you like NBA and you're not following Matt more on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing, but I'll put a link in the description of this podcast. Uh, and you can also subscribe to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Matt, so thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest place to put down some money. You can't put down money on the box office or the uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating of Space Jam 2, but you probably should be able to. They have all kinds of stuff on Bet Online, but you can put down some money. Use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus to the first deposit. A couple of games up for, for tomorrow. Uh, oh, let's look at the, the national championship game. Uh, Gonzaga, four and a half point favorite over Baylor. That one's really interesting. I know a lot of you guys are Baylor Bears and you really want Baylor to win this one. So They're going to smoke Baylor. 
Go put some money down. Gonzaga might, though. So if you think they're going to at least cover, if it's going to be a close game, all it has to be is a you know a five-point game or a four-point game, and uh, you can get that spread, too. So go check it out on betonline.ag. Put some money down, and then uh, use that promo code LOCKDOWN to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, LOCKDOWN, uh, BetOnline, <laughs> BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, with me now for the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Oh, Nick, we talk to each other every single day, but now we're on the, the national landscape here talking some Mavs. We can always talk some Luka Doncic. We're basically, we're basically locked on Luka, if we just want to be honest about this, but that's never a bad thing. I've pitched that as an idea. We should do locked on LeBron, locked on Luka, locked on Lillard, locked on Curry, right? So you can follow those players instead of, you know, but the local experts, you want people to be there, be in person. I get that. You can't always follow a player, all that. That'd be kind of creepy, though. It's like, hey, I pot every day about a human being. That's it. Yeah, that's 21-year-old guy, 22-year-old guy. (laughs) You're basically admitting that you're a stalker in a podcast (laughs) format. (laughs) <laughs> if you get paid to do it, is it still being a stalker? That's the question. Yes, or you're just TMZ. This is the type of content you'll get over at Locked on Mavs. Go follow us there. Uh, also, if you want to go follow us on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel now putting every single episode on YouTube. This clip will also go there uh, on YouTube as well. So go follow us, Locked on Mavs, on YouTube now. Uh, let's get into it, though, Isaac Harris. So where are the Dallas Mavericks right now, and uh, how did they get there? Because... The Mavericks at one point in the season were nine and fourteen, and now the Mavericks are already back twenty-seven and twenty-one, seventh in the West, and pretty much entrenched in seventh place in the West. So, how did they get to this point? Well, yeah. So you asked where are they at now and how they get there. They took off on a plane from Washington, and they landed in Dallas. So they're in Dallas right now. Uh, that's where they're at right now as they uh, prepare for. <laughs> David Locks, Utah Jazz, and MVP candidate Rudy Gobert. Uh, but, but no, you know, for everything with the Mavericks season, if anybody out there tries to recap the Mavs this season and you don't mention COVID, then I'm sorry. You just have no clue what happened to Dallas this season because, I mean, the whole first portion, first half of the season for the Mavericks was dictated by, you know, half, you know, the, a COVID outbreak. You know, we had three. You know, three starters, I want to say five, you know, key rotation pieces, you know, that were out for three weeks. I mean, we had three, you know, high rotation players that that were in a hotel room in Denver for two weeks. So, you know, after that, it was just getting these guys back. And it took so long to get these guys back. I mean, we were playing Wes Iwandu like 30 minutes a night. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, if Wes Iwandu is playing 30 minutes, and he's taking a lot of three point, you know, three pointers for your team. Your three point percentage is going to go down. For so for the longest time, we we you'd hear national people that were not locked on Mavericks talk about the Mavericks, and they're like, "Well, man, they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the league." It's like, okay, well, let's look who's taking the shots. Nick and I are taking the shots, you know, for the Mavericks basically around Luca. And then, bam! Once you start getting your regular rotation guys back, bam! Once you get out of COVID and you start getting your legs back, you play. You know, you play together, and now you look at the net rating for you know our starting unit in Dallas. You look at their record over the past twenty-five games. They're eighteen and seven over the last twenty-five. Like you said, they're up to seventh in the West. I mean, I have a screenshot on my phone of the NBA.com standings back when they were 14th in the Western Conference. (laughs) So for the longest time, 
guys like Nick and myself were like, guys, patience. Like, I know it sucks. We, I mean, I am the world's worst when it comes to patience in my life. But with this team and with everything that was going on, we're like, we have to have patience. You just got to give it time. There's nothing else we can say or do about it. And honestly, I mean, I don't want to do like the cliche answer, but that, I mean, that's what it was. It just took time to get past all of that. And not saying that I think they're winning the title right now, but we feel much more confident about the makeup of this team right now compared to where we were, you know, a month and a half ago. 100%. I mean, the goal for this team from the beginning has been win a playoff series, right? Just take the next step forward or at least, you know, go to a game seven against one of these top teams and get close, right? They got close against the Clippers last year. They were in a game six. Luka had that, you know, game winner and and that was absolutely incredible. You had Porzingis that was out for a couple games. The Mavericks weren't fully healthy. Like there's so many things going against them and they almost took the Clippers to the distance. And so now they want to take that next step forward. And it looked for a minute like they weren't even going to get the chance to do that. They weren't even in the playoff picture. And Mavs fans were freaking out saying, well, got to get this team into, into the playoffs first. So now they're there. They've got there. Isaac, you mentioned the starting lineup. So we've kind of been looking at this team as since February 1st and before February 1st, right? February 1st is that day that all the the whole starting lineup got together. Maxi Kleba finally got back from COVID. You had Josh Richardson back, Dorian Finney-Smith back, Jalen Brunson back, and you had that starting lineup of Luca Porzingis, Maxi, Josh Richardson, and Dorian Finney-Smith. That lineup has now played 469 possessions according to Cleaning the Glass, and those are, uh, you know, that ca- takes out garbage time and all that. And they are a plus 10 in their net rating. They have 124 offensive rating. That starting unit does. And 113 defensive rating, which is not that great. But the offense has been incredible. That starting lineup can hang with anybody, basically. That starting lineup can, you know, can do a lot of different things. They have wing defenders. They have Maxi and Porzingis in the paint that can defend three-point shooters in, you know, Luca and Maxi Kleba and, and Porzingis. And Dorian has shot the ball pretty well for, you know, for uh for a three and D type player like him. And so they they finally have that group back. And now my question is, so what are they capable of? Where are they going to finish? Uh right now they're in seventh. It's kind of a long shot to sort of catch some of the, the Lakers Blazers. They're two and a half games mm, back from the Blazers. Sure? Two and a half games back from the Blazers, but the Lakers right now they're three games back from the Lakers and the Lakers are in a full free fall right now. And I want to point this out for the entire like lockdown NBA audience right now because the Dallas Mavericks play two games against the Los Angeles Lakers. This is going to be huge. Like these games are going to be massive. April 22nd and 24th. And LeBron is set to come back right around that time. Maybe he's out for a little bit longer. If he's out for the longest, you know, stretch of time with his high ankle ankle sprain, he might miss those games. But if he's there, these are TNT and ABC games. And if the Ma- if the Lakers and Mavs are like real close neck and neck right there in the standings, those two games could determine the season series and the tiebreaker. So it may not mean a ton to the Lakers, but it'll mean a lot to the Dallas Mavericks. Lakers already beat the Mavericks once so far this season, and so if the Mavericks win both those games they win the tiebreaker absolutely massive but Isaac what are the maps capable of oh gosh I mean I think that's the that's the eight ball question that if we, if we had one right now um I guess we could go to Spencer's give Spencer's a shout out I think they sell eight <laughs> balls but <clears throat> no they, I mean they, they yeah, sell more ch- than that um <laughs> uh, you know one <laughs> I want to mention this real quick you're talking about the starting unit They've played 255 minutes, 225 minutes together. The Mavericks starting, you know, starting five compare that to they're about to play the Utah jazz 
on Monday night, the Utah Jazz starting five has played 518 minutes together. It is a massive difference. And that just shows you, you know, uh, and it kind of plays into, you know, Nick's question here of like, what are the Mavericks capable of? We're still trying to figure out what the true ceiling of is like of this team because they've only played 225 minutes together. They have that plus 10 plus 11 net rating in that they, they look good. They like, they're playing well together, but what does that look like in a playoff series? We all know we've seen the Bucks last year. We've seen the Hawks. Pre- like we've seen these really good. We're all waiting to see what Utah looks like in a playoff series after they've just dominated this whole regular season, because playoff just looks completely different than the regular season. And it, we've talked about this on Lockdown Mavs of what do we pull away from this playoff series last year from a Maverick standpoint? Because you can take two different angles. You can take the, we came out of that series saying, man, what if, what if Luca didn't roll his ankle? What if KP didn't get ejected? What if KP didn't get hurt in that series? We could have beat the Clippers. We could have went on and moved on in the playoffs. But then again, you don't get the answers either. So now we're back. Now we're fully healthy and we're like, all right, but are we good enough to beat the Clippers? Are we good enough to? And and I think that plays in. It did play in. We talked. We heard from Donnie Nelson, Mark Cuban. These guys are like, we we think these guys deserve another shot. We want to see, and they deserve the shot because we don't. We didn't get the answers last playoffs. So now you know, as long as everyone's healthy, we get the answer this play. You know, this coming up playoffs, and that will be the true test. Can KP stay healthy for that? Can they? You know. Can we play the small ball with him? Do, can we rebound well enough to stay? Will rebounding even matter? Can they play defense? Can KP step out and play defense? There, there's so many questions, but honestly, we can take our jabs at it, but we're not going to know for sure until we see it in action. You can go follow Isaac Harris on Twitter. I put a link in the description of this podcast, me as well, and also follow the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. We will do... The same as the rest of these shows, five days a week, covering Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks. Give us a uh, follow and subscribe to our podcast. Guys, we'll be uh, back with more, and uh, we'll hear from Mike Richmond of the Portland Trailblazers Locked On Blazers podcast. Let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. And we know now the winner of the championship, Coconut Brownie Chunk. It's the bar that we knew we knew it would win, and it came out on top. So you got to keep checking. You got to keep checking to see if that bar is going to come back because they were out of them, and uh, they're still not on the website. But you got to keep checking back to see if that bar is going to be available. That's the best one. It's proven now. The fans voted that that's the best bar. Go get them at BuiltBar.com. There's still some really good flavors. Mint brownie is incredible. We love the Cherry Barcia and the Raspberry. Uh, a lot of people are going to be thinking their ears are ringing with you with this singing. <laughs> like, Man, what is going on with my headphones? <laughs> uh, go check out some of the other incredible flavors that they have uh, and by the way built bars are pretty good for you they're low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber for example the cherry barcia that we really like 17 grams of protein 130 calories four grams of sugar four grams of net carbs go get some use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com also check out rockauto.com it's the place to get all the parts for your car or truck they have everything you need engine control modules brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet whether it's your classic or daily driver get everything you need look up if you're trying to fix up an old car look up the make model of the year and all that stuff see what parts they have available for it it could have something you've been looking for for a long time and it'll get delivered straight to your door you don't have to go to a shop you don't have to go find it somewhere you don't have to bring the you know write down what piece exactly you need or what size and all that you can just go to rockauto.com find it right there at your house and they'll deliver it so 
Go check that out. And best of all, rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you want to spend up to twice as much for the same auto parts you could get at rockauto.com? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. They know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And now, welcome in the host of the Lockdown Blazers podcast, your pass first point guard. What you got for me, Mike Richmond? Oh, not a lot. You know, the Blazers, they got smoked by a good team, and then they historically beat down a bad team. So we're just up and down here in Blazer land, which means it's normal. <laughs> up and down until the very end of the game, right? And then Dame takes over. It's game time, Dame time, and then that's how it works, it seems. Uh, Blazers 30 and 19 right now, sixth in the Western Conference. And they have the Mavericks kind of nipping at their heels a little bit. The Lakers are just barreling down the standings in a bad way. And the Blazers might take over. So where are the Blazers at right now? Do you feel good about taking that fifth seed and matching up with potentially Denver or the Clippers? You feel like the Lakers are going to have this resurgence once LeBron and you know AD comes back. How are Blazers fans and how are you looking at the standings right now? Yeah, I mean, you, I don't know exactly how you do the math with 24 games left, but like yeah. um, you do not want to play the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs, whatever it is, however it works out for, for them. But yeah, I think the Blazers are sort of trending up. Um, I think there's there's now a separation with the top five teams in the West. I don't know what to do with the Lakers right now. They're not one of those teams. But I think the, the, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Suns, uh, Denver and Portland are better than the other group. There's a group behind them with all apologies to, to Mavs fans that may be familiar with your, uh, with Furious. your dulcet tones. But I think, I think <laughs> those teams are, are, are a step ahead, a, a tier above the rest. And I think the Blazers belong in that group. And now that they're a little healthier with CJ McCollum back and uh, Yusuf Nurkic back and Norman Powell introduced into the, into the group, they um, they're in a, they're in a better spot. Um, they haven't beaten many good teams. They're eight and 11 against teams teams that are over 500 that's not doesn't bode well um for uh, the playoffs but they they got two tough games this week against the clippers and the jazz uh you know bring me back on next week maybe i'll be singing the same tune maybe i'll be i'll be saying nope they're good actually they're good everybody wants to come on as soon as their team beats the jazz that seems like how it works <laughs> well i don't think they're gonna beat the jazz but if they should they beat the jazz yeah, right. you know friday morning hit me up <laughs> uh you, you mentioned everybody's healthy so uh Lillard, McCollum, Nurkic. That's kind of the, the three that is always in question. Like, okay, are they going to be playing together? So far, according to Cleaning the Glass, we've had 643 possessions total, which is not a lot between yeah. Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic. They're a plus six uh, net rating in those. They have a really good offense as, as usual and a decent defense, like a 109.7 defensive rating, which is pretty decent compared to the 117.5 defensive <laughs> rating they normally have, which is yeah. uh, 29th in the in the the NBA. So those three guys together, plus you can add Covington and now I guess Norman Powell, that's the five, right? What does it mean for the Blazers to have those three guys back? And I mean, it hasn't, you haven't seen them very often this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just you you got 12 games and then Nurk and, and CJ were out for 25 games. Nurk was out for 10 weeks, um, which is kind of like an annual tradition. Um, you just how like, let's, let's play some games without Yusuf Nurkic. It's like the Spurs rodeo trip, right? They have to mm -hmm. leave because the rodeo's in town. Yeah, the Blazers have to play a month or, or more without Yusuf Nurkic. It's a, it's a kind of a bummer tradition, but certainly seems to be one that's annual. So, you know, they look better with, with Nurk on the court. They're better. Um, his passing ability. Um, if you just sort of like everyone wants to go like on off with Nurk, you know, they're like, how are they doing with him on the court? Like, well, the, the dude who comes on is Ennis Cantor. 
he's not a good defensive player and never has been. So you're no, like, come on. Everyone knows the score of the game. They're going to be a better defensive team with Nurk on the court. It's just like, how good can they be? Um, and how, you know, the Milwaukee game's a weird outlier. They did got no production from the bench. Um, and that's a terrible matchup for them. So I, like I said, we'll know more this week, but they look better. Like they look, they, this is as good as they've looked all year. Um, of course, coming off a 48 point win, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid too much. <laughs> it always seems like those national TV games, right? Like the, the, the Bucks game, especially for Mavs fans. And I'm sure for others that they just like have a stinker. And then everyone is just writing off the Blazers or whoever, whichever team, but it seems like that Milwaukee game is kind of one of those games. Yeah, I mean, they just like Giannis went full Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, he was 18 or 18 no. inside the three point line. It's um, and that it wasn't all dunks. It was a lot of dunks. You know, it's, it happens. But they, <laughs> he does. He, he does dunk. Yeah, but he they gave up some jumpers. They said, you know, shoot it. And he said, OK, I, fine, fine. I will. And he hit, he hit you know, three 19 footers. And if he's going to do that, you're going to have a bad time. And they had a, and they didn't, you know, they got to win games by being an elite offense and they were a bad offense. And that's those that combination doesn't look good for him, but they look better. Norm helps like Norman Powell helps just another guy who can get into the paint, get downhill. It's weird to think like the Blazers need more offensive creators, but the way the yeah. league works, everybody does like every, every team, you know, you, you look at anyone's weakness, except for maybe the nets and you're like, well, they could use one more creator. Oh, you know, you even look at the Lakers. Oh, they could use one more creator. Right. You think about the Clippers, Clippers they could use yeah. one. Clippers, one more guy who get downhill. Certainly your Dallas Mavericks, one more yep. guy who get downhill. Like all, every good team needs that. And the Blazers got that with Norman Powell. It doesn't address their fundamental issues, but it does. It absolutely helps. And it's one of those things that we're seeing across the league where teams are just saying, we can't really cover up our deficiencies enough. Let's just lean fully into, and it's usually offense, right? Like let's just fully right. lean. The Mavericks kind of did this. And I guess the JJ Redick trade a little bit. They're like over the off season, they said, let's get, Josh Richardson and bolster our defense. And instead they're like, well, that doesn't work. Our, our defense is still terrible. And our offense is just a little bit worse than last year. Blazers kind of doing the same thing with Norman Powell. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe they could have swung a little bit bigger, given up some more draft picks and chased Aaron Gordon. I don't think they wanted to do that. Like, I don't, my read on it is that just like, if the price was multiple, multiple firsts into the future to beat out uh, the nuggets that that wasn't, that was not appealing to them. So it's like for the price that they had uh, the restricted free agency rights of Gary Trent jr. And the $10 million matching salary of Rodney hood. Um, <laughs> here's the best player we can get. And I think they, I think they, I think they got an upgrade. Like their, their team is better than it was. It's just um, they are doing what they do, which is like, let's just score a bunch and see how it works out. <laughs> and it's working, right? They have the fifth best offensive rating. Yeah, they're good. They're the really NBA. good. They're really good. Uh, so where has Norman Powell been playing? Has he been starting? Has he been coming off the bench? Where, where does he fit in the rotation? He, he is their starting small forward, um, which, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, during the regular season, it probably won't matter. Uh, like they're just, you just night to night, you don't play that many high level big wings but against the elite teams like against Paul George and Kawhi Leonard that's a weird spot for Norman Powell to be against the Luka Doncic of the world like good luck um I just I think in the regular regular season it won't matter like I think you can go small and it won't matter in the regular season it'll just catch up it's just a weakness that exists in the playoffs and it's it's undeniable that it will and so when they get to the playoffs I think it's what do they have a five that can be competent enough defensively to try to win a playoff series? And I think that's what they'll be trying to figure out for the next 24 games. 
And it seems like a lot of teams are just saying, well, we're going to bet that Dame, CJ, you know, Nurk and Powell can outscore whoever's on the other side. And, which... and, they, and they might be able to. Like, I mean, it's the Blazers are have such good one-on-one creators that if they can be in a close game, they've proven they can win a lot of those games. Not even just like Dame's magic. Like they won a game against the Raptors uh, last week where they turned the ball over to CJ McCollum and said, hey, dog, can you help? And he went and scored seven straight points down the stretch for them to win. Like their math is a little, uh, the formula is a little shaky, but if they're in a, if they're in close games, they are capable of beating anyone because of the offensive creation. And because they've been just, just good enough on defense in the clutch. I think, I mean, I don't really believe in the number, but their defensive rating in the clutch is in the top 10 in the league. Um, so, I mean, they've been just good enough. Their formula is, it's not a sustainable idea. Like it's not sustainable against the best teams, but it's good enough to get them into the playoffs. And if they, and if they have home court advantage in their own playoffs, they got a puncher's chance to, to beat pretty much anybody. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, the Blazers point differential is plus 0.4, which is the, the number that, uh, well, like they won eight- by 48 to get there. They were down. They had a they had a negative point differential. Right. You had me on yesterday. At a negative point differential, they were they should be like a five hundred level team based on the point differential. They won by they beat Oklahoma City by forty eight, and now they're back, baby, <laughs> back to positive. But still, the, either way, the point still stands. This team is winning some close games, right? You yeah. mentioned that they're you know, obviously Dame time. We talk about it all the time. Uh, but the Blazers are twenty one and seven in what the what NBA.com calls clutch games, which is if the score is within five under five minutes, which is not necessarily the best in indicator of a clutch game. You can right. have a 20 point game, go down to five. And then all of a sudden it's, Oh, it's clutch. Uh, their offense is second best in the league in, cl- in, uh, in the clutch. I bet you can't guess who number one is unless you're looking at it. I'm not, but uh, what I, who I would guess the most clutch offense in the league. I'll way I'll, out of left field. Okay. Way out of left field. The best clutch offense in the league is the Sacramento Kings. That's close to Charlotte Hornets. Damn it. <laughs> Different coast. Uh, yeah. Charlotte Hornets, 138 offensive rating in the clutch. That's there insane. you go. They got a bunch of, a bunch of individual creators, you know, three guards who can score. It's, it's the, it's the formula. They have, they have a 46, a 46.0 net rating. And that's insane in the clutch. That's yeah, Eric Collins magic right there. Hornets just net- do it. Yeah. Uh, the Blazers, though, 131 offensive rating and then 98 defensive rating in the clutch. It basically just comes down to can the Blazers, you know, win in the clutch against some of these teams? And they've proven over and over again they can do it. Yeah, if, if, they, can, if they can keep you close to the final five minutes, they're as good as anyone. It's just they, um, they haven't beaten a lot of good teams and they've played probably too many close games to be for it to be sustainable. They've played, you know, you said 21 and seven, that's 28 of their, of their 49 games have been just within five points of the final five minutes. That's not exactly the mark of a really good team. (laughs) Obviously they're missing CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic for a bunch of that, but like, you know, at some point you are what you are and, and, and they're a team that has made their own luck. We will see what the Portland Trailblazers are. Go follow Mike Richmond on the Lockdown Blazers podcast. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast for his Twitter. You can go follow him. And Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me.